This is a Discovery Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we invite you to find yourself in the bigger story. To find out more about what's going on in the life of the church, head to discoverychurch.com.au. Now, we all have those people in our lives, don't we? You know those people, they, everything just turns out right for them. They go for a new job, they get a new job. They want a new car, they just go get a new car. They get tired of their old house and then they just move into a new house. Everything falls into place. They very rarely have any struggles, any challenges. And even if they do, if they do have a challenge, you know what? A door just opens and they seem to stroll right through it. You know, they don't really struggle that much. I'm sure you know people like that. I definitely know people like that. You know, those kind of scenarios. You know, you might have a co-worker and they're promoted to a job that you wanted for yourself. Or a friend that establishes a healthy new relationship with a significant other while you find yourself still waiting for that person. You see the new neighbour drive in with the brand new car and it's the car that actually you'd had your eye on for quite a while too. The uh, family member who just seems genuinely happy with their life and you maybe feel like you're struggling and your life is a bit of a uh, bit of a uh, fire in a rubbish bin. You might sense a bit of resentment or a bit of pride in those moments and today we're talking exactly about that. We're talking about that um, the thing that Shakespeare called the green-eyed monster, that is envy. Envy. Envy is different to jealousy. Jealousy is about keeping what you have. Envy is about, and guarding it kind of jealously, but envy is about looking at what somebody else has and, and desiring it so much to the point that it becomes an obsession. You know about envy. You, you've had that sense of resentment towards an individual where everything steeps, seems to be going right. You have that sense of, um, of anger or you're triggered when something else goes right for somebody because it's not going right for you. Oh, but this type of envy can actually cause the breakup of relationships. It can cause damage to relationships, let alone damage to yourself. You've heard that term green with envy because the ancient Greeks believed that envy caused a buildup of bile in your organs that then changed the complexion of your skin to the color green. That's where we get that phrase green with envy from. So envy is a serious thing and it's something that for each one of us is going to pop up in our lives from time to time. And I guess we want to ask the question today, what's going on underneath that? Because that envy that you feel, that sense of resentment that you have to another person, that sense of feeling triggered when somebody else succeeds is an indicator of something else going on deep in our hearts. And we've got to find out what that is, what's going on. And so the title of my message today, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 18. The title of my message today is this, That Kid David. All right, That Kid 
David. I don't know if you ever knew a David and you were like, ah, that kid, David. You know, David always seems to be getting the right thing. David always gets the jobs. David always gets the car. David always gets the girl. Ah, that kid, David. David. That's the title of the message. If you're writing at the top of your page, that kid, comma, for grammatical correct, grammatically correct, that kid, comma, David, is where we're going Today. I'm going to read to us from 1 Samuel 18, starting at verse 6, going to verse 11. All right, 1 Samuel 18, verse 6, and going to verse 11. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. Right? So David had just won the victory against Goliath. They come out of their towns, ticker tape parade, as, they, as the armies make their way back home. And as King Saul, who was, the, who was the king of Israel at the time, comes in, they meet him, they danced and they sang. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. What? Saul's the king and yet David's won the victory. So they sing this song, Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. Now it says in here, verse, um, Saul was very angry and this refrain displeased him greatly. I think that's a really nice Bible way of saying it. Next time something happens to you, I challenge you. Would you please say that? This has displeased me greatly. Next time somebody cuts you off in traffic, I want you to say that. You have displeased me greatly. Right? Next time your, your spouse or your partner or your kids do something, maybe you know, your kids just break into the flour and put it all over the kitchen. Maybe they, they, they just go absolutely nuts with the toilet paper and tear it off and you've lost 20 rolls of toilet paper they have gone all through the house. Children, this has displeased me greatly. Please, I dare you, I challenge you to use that kind of phrase. This, it displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me, with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Hold on a second. He's killed one guy. That's what Saul's thinking. He's killed one guy. He doesn't know what it's like to lead this entire nation. He swans in with a little bit of cheese and a bit of bread to help his brothers. And then he goes out there and, you know, flukily kills this huge big guy. And now they're saying he's killed tens of thousands. I've killed more than him. And they're saying they're only crediting me with thousands. You get the picture and I think we can pick up on the vibe that Saul is giving off here. From that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David, maybe an envious eye on David. The story goes on. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I will pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. All right, that's the end of the passage that we're going to read. You can just imagine what Saul's saying. Oh, that kid, David, everything keeps on happening for him and everything's going right. Now, what we need to do is understand what's going on here in this passage and understand the context. Now, of course, when we're going through a topical series like this, when we're looking at ideas like, like, like uh, 
envy, like when we're looking at lust, like when we're looking at pride and we're looking at different topics, sometimes what we can tend to do as preachers is try and find a passage that suits us and kind of twist it or turn it in order for it to make us say what we want it to say. Now, we don't want to do that. At Discovery Church, we honor the Word of God. We honor it and we want to honor it in context. So we've got to understand where it sits inside of the bigger story, if that makes sense. So the big idea with 1 Samuel, particularly in these passages here, is a contrast between Saul and David. It's like they keep putting these two next to each other so you can compare the pair, if you like. You can see what's going on with one, and then you can see what's going on with the other. Saul, on one hand, was the people's choice as the king of Israel. They chose him because he was tall, he was esteemed, he was educated, he was handsome. The people chose Saul, and yet God chose David. You might remember, if you've read this passage, it's just a few chapters before, um, when all all of the sons are lined up, David's not even there, they go get him, and David is the one that is anointed by Samuel to be the next king. God chose God chose him. God says to Samuel, he is the one. And so you see a distinction there between who's um, be, between Saul being chosen by the people as king but but David being chosen by God. Saul strives for his kingdom. He strives to make it work. He puts all of this effort in and yet David is given the kingdom. There's a distinction there. We also see another distinction right here in this passage where the the Spirit of God leaves Saul and the Spirit of God anoints David. And so these, these distinctions keep coming up all the way through. But of course, whenever you make those distinctions, whenever you see that quite close to each other, it's exactly what you and I feel. When you feel like you're standing next to somebody who gets everything they want, nothing ever goes wrong, they get all the opportunities you want, they get all the relationships you want, they get all the the money maybe that you want, they get all the opportunities, and, and then all of a sudden that resentment, that envy starts to rise in our hearts. And again, we have to ask the question, why? Why? I want you to ask that question to yourself right now. Why do I get so envious? Why do I get so resentful? Because for, for, because for Saul here, I can picture him. He keeps a close eye on David. He's like, I'm going to watch that kid, David. I'm going to make sure that he doesn't take any more of my opportunities. I'm going to make sure that the next time an opportunity comes along, I am going to grab it with both hands. Okay, so we need to understand what envy is about. A couple of things here that pop out of this passage that we can, that we can see what envy actually does to us. So number one, Envy, this is just understanding envy. This isn't like your outer application points right at the end. This is just some context for how to understand how envy works. Envy generally occurs in the context of close relationship. Envy generally occurs in the context of close relationship. We see that here with David and Saul. At this point, David was living in Saul's house. They were in close relationship relationship. Now, look, I'll I'll make a confession to you guys. As an actor, I love Tom Cruise, right? Controversial statement. Controversial statement. I know some people, that's it. I'm off. I'm switching off my phone right now. I'm not watching anymore. He likes, can you believe he likes Tom Cruise? Look, I think Tom Cruise, 
is awesome. I really like a lot of his movies. He had me at Top Gun, right? From Top Gun on, I have been sold. I am a fan. Maverick for life. So imagine though Tom Cruise, imagine also that I really loved Audi cars, right? I loved Audis. Oh man, I, you know, the, the, a, the S4 or the S5, something like that. Really, really fancy car. Now imagine if I just scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and I see, oh, Tom Cruise has got a new car. He's got an Audi, a, Audi uh, S5. I'll be like, sweet, good job, Tom Cruise. Now imagine though, if one of my closest friends, and I've been really wanting an Audi S5 for a long time, one of my closest friends pulls into the driveway with an Audi S5. He's not gonna let me drive it, it's just, it's his car. Ooh, I start to feel that envy rise up in me. Why does he get that car? Why isn't it that mine? Why is it not for me? That kid, David, right? This, this envy starts to rise up in me because I know him. Close relationship means I know his flaws. I know what he's really like. I know what he does with his money. I know he's probably going to crash that car. He's not going to care about it like I would. If I had it, I would care about it. I would, I would cherish that vehicle. I would love it with everything within me. I would, I would, I would do everything just to keep it pristine and safe. But Tom Cruise, well, I don't know him, so it doesn't really make a difference. But envy occurs in close relationship. You are more likely to envy your friends, your family, the people you work with. They are the people you are most likely to envy because you know them. And you can stand in the judgment seat and, and see with their life, do they deserve the things that I see that they're getting. We then go through the judgment filter of, well, I'm not sure if they deserve it. Maybe they deserve it, maybe they don't. But I'm the judge anyway of what everybody deserves in this life, and I say they don't deserve it, right? So envy starts to rise up in the context of close relationship. In, is a part of my closest friends. Exactly the same here with Saul and David. They're living together. And can you imagine, can you imagine that feeling for Saul when he comes back in after the victory of Israel? They come in, they come in through, that, through, through those gates, through the big doors, and he starts hearing them sing, Saul has killed thousands, but David's killed tens of thousands. Oh my gosh. Don't they know who's the king around here? Don't they know who's calling the shots? That kid, David, right? The next thing that happens is that envy occurs in the context of achievement. If no one achieves anything, then there's nothing to be envious about. If everybody stays on the same playing field, nobody gets uppity about anything else. In Australia, we call it tall poppy syndrome, right? That somebody stands up, sticks their head above the rest, and we all feel insecure, so we need to remind them about where they've come from and about what their life is really like, and so we've got to cut them down to size. You know, we say, oh, we're doing them a favor. We're stopping them from getting a big head, you know, where we're keeping them humble or something like that, like that was our job. Yeah, and so what we do is, is envy happens and occurs in the context of achievement. Envy doesn't tend to pop up in the context of challenges, right? We have another phrase that says, oh, I don't envy you there. <laughs> yeah, don't envy you with that one, right? Because what you're saying is, well, they're going through a bad situation or something bad's happening to them, and I've got no reason to envy you because what's happening right now is not really that good, not desirable. Whereas the opposite happens, somebody achieves. 
Somebody does something. Somebody's given something. Somebody gets something. Somebody um, moves, moves up or moves forward or moves above. And all of a sudden, our envy is triggered. Our envy is aroused. It's remind, we're reminded in that time, right, when somebody else achieves, we're reminded in, the, in that time of our own waiting, our own inability to achieve that thing at that point in time. We're reminded of that. We don't like being reminded of that. And so resentment starts to build. The slaying of Goliath here was that achievement for David. David went in, obviously he went in, he went in undergunned. He didn't have a lot going for him at that point in time. It looked like a complete mismatch. But again, he was God's choice for king. God had his hand on David's life. And so David comes back with the victory. And the, the irony here is that King Saul had even dressed David with Saul's own armor for the battle. What Saul should have done is put, the own arm, put his armor on himself and gone in to face, the, face Goliath or at least inspire his troops. But he wasn't even there. He was afraid. He was scared. He wasn't part of the process. He tried to put the armor on David, which in a strange poetic way is an image of what was going to happen with the kingship. Saul was going to hand a kingship over, hand his armor over to David into the future. But now David walks back after this huge achievement. And what happens? Saul is freaked out. His, his resentment starts to build inside of him because of his own inability to accomplish something that David had accomplished. So David here created problems for Saul as well as solved them. Ah, that kid, David, right? Here he goes again. And so, of course, that word he says here in that passage of scripture is, oh man, they're saying that he's slain tens of thousands. What more could he gain but the kingdom? Saul sees David as a threat to the throne, and that is the biggest thing. The third thing here, when we find a, finding a context for envy, is this: envy is fueled by fear. It's fueled by fear, my friends, because when you're at that job and somebody else gets promoted ahead of you, you're afraid. What if it never happens for me? You, maybe you're afraid that you made the wrong career decision. If I had have gone this way instead of that, I would now be here. When one of your friends enters into a long-term relationship with a significant other and you're still waiting for that person, fear rises up. What if it never happens for me? When somebody else makes a stride forward in a way that maybe the world says, oh, this is the way forward that you need to go. You say, you, the, deep down we say, what if that never happens for me? Saul's way of saying that was, what more could he get but the kingdom? Saul's worry here, he was afraid that he was going to lose his power, lose his throne. That kid, David, was going to take it away from him. Now, it makes us think, though, there's, there's the other side of the coin. How did David respond in all of this? David, as the envied, not the envier, how did he respond? I'm not going to say very much about this because this is about the envy that's in all of our hearts, not the envy that we feel from others. But all the scripture says in this passage is that he eluded him twice. That's it. Verse 11 says it right there. 
And Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall, but David evaded him twice. Nothing more. So the only thing I want to say to you if you're achieving, if you're going well, is keep your head down. Keep your head down in humility. Keep working hard. Don't arouse envy um, outside of the bounds of what it should be. You don't need to go around like parading yourself around. He eluded him twice. And when you feel the envy of others, don't retaliate, don't respond. Just continue on your course. Stay humble, stay working, stay responsible. That's all. So what do we do? What do we do? I feel envy in my heart and I just can't, you know, I can't switch off life. I can't go, like, can't just live in permanent isolation forever. I mean, because that's one way to go, right? You just lock yourself in, unfollow everything, just bail out of everything because then you, you eliminate all of the triggers. But the thing is, as soon as you walk outside, there's going to be someone doing something that's going to, that's going to cause you to be envious. So what do we do? First thing we should do is this. And here is where we want to get practical. And we're going to end in the gospel. This is, this is, this is where we're going to go, right? Get practical. And I like to always end with how does this land in the bigger story? How does this land in Jesus? So what do we do? The first thing we do is this. Turn your envy to empathy. Turn your envy to empathy. Right? Rather than judging, sitting in the judgment seat about what a person does and doesn't deserve, try and sit for a minute in their seat. Try and sit for a minute in their shoes and understand what's going on for them and see how they might be experiencing this. That's what empathy is. Feeling something with somebody else. Turn your envy to empathy. Start to understand what's going on for that person. Start to understand, think about how they might be experiencing this time, how they might be, they might be experiencing. Hey, David, wow, you just killed Goliath. Man, you must, be, you must be kind of a mixture between like shocked, surprised, and really stoked that you didn't die, right? That would have been a good way to go with David. Hey, David, wow. How do you feel, man? All these people are singing all these songs. Doesn't that feel like the... I hope... Let us, how can we help you just handle that pressure? Because you'd be feeling pressure right now around all of that. How can we help you, support you, guide you? Do you need a mentor? Do you need somebody? To, you, know, you don't need slingshot training, but maybe we could skill you up in some other areas just to really help you grow. Right? Turn your envy to empathy rather than that kid David. The second thing, turn your envy to encouragement. Turn your envy to encouragement. To encouragement. Now, encouragement is simply offering up, um, offering up positivity, good vibes, putting courage into that person, even if you're feeling envious. And I'll tell you why. It's not hypocritical to do it. Sometimes you do the action and the feelings follow. Right? So if I'm an encourager, even if I don't feel encouraging feelings, if I encourage, a lot of times my feelings step into line with my declaration. My feelings come into line with my words. You build your world with your words. Your words create the atmosphere with which your world lives in. Your words govern the culture in your house. They govern the culture in your workplace. They govern the culture in your own heart and in your home. And the more positive and encouraging, encouraging means literally putting courage into somebody, the more encouraging you are, the more your heart, even your own life, starts to turn 
inside of and in line with that declaration, right? So turn your envy to encouragement. I want you to do that now. Just next time you feel envious, don't unfollow, don't turn it off, don't just don't hang up. Bring encouragement, encourage them. It's connected to empathy. If you don't empathize with them, you won't be able to encourage them. All right. Thirdly, and finally, turn your envy to enjoyment in Christ. Right, we're turning our envy to empathy for the person, turning our envy to encouragement for the person, but this third one's a personal one. Turn your envy to enjoyment. Come on, somebody, you've got to get happy in God. Right? I want to tell you that as, and this is a challenge to you. I want you to get happy in God. If you're going to spend your whole life being envious of everybody else and, and watching them achieve and do all the things, you're not going to do any of that stuff. First, you've got to get happy in Christ. Right? You're just going to be, just start getting stoked about all that God has done for you, all that he's done in you, the story that he's written with your life up until now. It's time to get happy in God with everything that he's already done. This is how it's connected to gratitude. This is, this is how envy affected Saul. He, Saul started to forget. As soon as they started singing that song, Saul slain thousands, David slain tens of thousands, Saul started to forget. What did he forget? He forgot that he was still the leader. He forgot that people were still looking to him for, for leadership. He forgot that he was still leading Israel in, in, a, in a political, powerful way, but also in a spiritual way. He'd forgotten his standing in Christ, in God. He'd, he'd forgotten the way that God had used him, anointed him by the power of the Holy Spirit. He forgot all of those things and he started to get sad and envious. And that's what happens when you forget. So guys, turn your envy to enjoyment. It's time to get happy in Jesus, to get, to get filled up with the power of God and all that he's done in you, all that he wants to do. Start to think about the future and the things that he's spoken to you about and the life that he's, that he's got planned for you, the good works that he's got for you to walk in, that he's planned for you to walk in. So rather than, rather than that kid, you know, he, just, he can kind of sit back, sit back and, that kid, David, what a guy. I'm so glad he's part of our kingdom. That kid, you know, we can change the way we think about this when we get happy in Christ. And this is, the, this is where we want to land. Envy is a failure to trust God. Envy is a failure to trust God. Why? Because every time we're envious, we make it about us and we make it about our own achievement. We make it about what we can and what we can't do and what decisions we should and shouldn't have made. Whereas the, the, the crux of the gospel is this. That life in Christ is a gift that's been given to you that we enter into by grace through faith. It's not by works so nobody can boast. As somebody once said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. You and I can come to the foot of the cross, receive grace, receive forgiveness, receive faith, and step into our lives without envy, knowing that we didn't do anything to deserve it, but we've done everything to just be able to open our hands, surrender and receive it. And our brother across the pew or our friend across the road is in exactly the same place as us. Remember this whole thing came up about God's choice between Saul and David? Who are you to choose? Who are you to decide? Who are you to be the judge about what God gives somebody else? 
It's time for us to get happy in God, believe what he's given to us, enjoy it, be grateful for it, step into the future with what's going on and be yourself in terms of what God has called you to, what he's called you to in this time and live live it out to the best of your ability with God helping you. Okay? We're all equal. Trust in God's choice and don't take matters into your own hands or because it will go to your stomach and then you'll turn green. So what we've got to do is get happy, continue to trust God, lean into him in this time, receive the gifts that he's given us. He's lavished gifts upon you. Every spiritual blessing in Christ has been given to you, Ephesians 1 says. And I think that's enough to get happy about so that we can start cheering others on and championing their achievements rather than getting envious of them. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the Davids in our life. We thank you for the opportunities that we have to celebrate, the opportunities we have to empathize, to encourage, and Lord God, for the great things that you've done in us the daily bread that we have, the roof over our heads, the circle of friends that we are graced with. Lord God, would you continue to inspire and encourage? Would we have the strength to be able to live into those things knowing that they are all a gift, that no one can boast? And Lord God, that we've been placed here to encourage and to champion others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for joining us on this Discovery Church podcast. Now go and find yourself in the bigger story.